1: No, no, no. a lot of times we come in here and say, yeah, of course, God's going to do something. Yeah, it'll, I'll feel good, like he's doing something. I might notice it in a couple months, couple years. But sometimes God is actually doing something now. <laughs> and it, it's, our, it's our responsibility to recognize it and to do something with it. And, and what I saw over us this morning, what God is doing, is I heard him say that laughter is serious business in the kingdom. And there are some of us who don't wanna laugh. It just doesn't feel like the circumstances or life are ripe for laughing. God, how could I possibly? Like I'll laugh when everything gets better. I'll laugh when things turn the other way. There are those of us who laugh nervously, but it's not coming from the right place. It's coming from cynicism. We actually will find ourselves sometimes giving a fake laughter that comes from cynicism. but but true joy, as it says, comes from the Lord. But I don't know if you know this, that the root word for joy is faith recognized. If you actually take the word for joy in the Greek and you break it up, it's literally the words faith recognized. So when you begin to recognize the faith and the grace that's on your life, what can come out of that except for joy? And so when we laugh genuinely, We're laughing from a place of recognizing the grace that's on our life. Laughter is actually a weapon of victory in the kingdom. You guys with me on that? So there are not just some, there are many of you in here who you've been going before God and you've been forlorn and you've been pressing in and crying out and it's been painful. But I'm telling you this morning, I want you to press in again And I want you to find your joy, but you don't need to muster joy. If you can recognize God's grace over your life, joy comes out of it. And so what I'd actually like to do is I'm gonna ask the band to go back into the chorus for stones in a second. And when you hear the words, I won't let the stones cry out. I want you to recognize the opportunity to come before God and say, nevertheless, I'm not going to come before you. God, just please help me. I'm going to say, I I let you put laughter back in my spirit. Do you realize you have to give permission to that? When we go through this song again, I want you, as you worship, to give God permission to bring laughter into your spirit and into your circumstance. And so, Ben, I'm going to have us pick up on the chorus of this because it's important and it's, I just wanna release something over you. So as the band's kicking up, just close your eyes. Close your eyes. Picture how you go before God and say right now, God, I, I choose you. I choose laughter. It makes no sense, but your grace over my life is real. And so right now, Holy Spirit, fill the room with your laughter as we go into this song. Won't let
2: the stars cry out
1: And you've earned your break. Thank you for doing that. You guys can take a seat. Let me ask you a question. Did anyone find laughter in that moment? Yeah, Raise your hand if something inside of you all of a sudden felt a little perk of laughter and joy. Yeah, there are hands across this room. And that's going to be a weapon for many of you as you head into this. Yep. Man, it's, it's, it's so good to get reset yep. on what God is actually doing. And that's a bit of what we're going to talk about today. Super excited, by the way, uh, band, thank you for making me feel like a rock star. I've always wanted to be on stage when the music was going. I feel like I need to rip my shirt No, no, no. We're trying to stay holy in here. But we've actually been a part of Awaken for 12 years. Oh, I think longer for my wife. And so as we celebrate Awaken's birthday, it's such a cool thing to reflect on that we've been here since, you know, if, if right now Awaken's about to become a legal adult. We were here when I was in kindergarten trying to figure out which finger paints to use. And um, It's actually been so cool to see this house grow. Yeah. But what's been even cooler is how we grew in this house. Wow. And so just so much honor to a church like Awaken that, that, that does things to a higher degree of revelation. Um, and it, it's all about obedience. Pastor Juergen talks about this all the time. It's not because of training, it's because of obedience. And, and, and truthfully, that's... That's a bit of my story. Pastor Matt alluded to it, but I, I did not come up with a, I have no pedigree to be on stage right now. Yeah. I was an atheist until I was 24. Wow. Never been to Bible school, never done any of the stuff. And here I am with a pastor title and preaching, and I still don't know why you guys did that to me, but still, <laughs> apparently I have it. And, and it's so true what, what, how, how cool this church has been for me personally and in so many ways. And I, I came in a wreck. You know, when I came in, of course, I was broken. I needed healing. I was insecure. In fact, I was insecure to the point where I didn't even think I was good at anything. I remember in high school, there was a show and tell moment in one of the classes to show your talents and I had none. And I started freaking out. I started telling my parents, I don't think I have any skills. And let's just say I didn't have the support system to tell me, actually you do. And so when I came into this house, I had no vision for my future. I had a lot of things I was dealing with. I didn't even know I was good at anything. And what this church did is a couple of things. They showed me that there's a vision for my life. Has anyone discovered that here? Yeah. If not, get ready, because we're going to make you see a vision for your life, because that's, that's reality. And then they helped me discover that there's strength inside of me. Wow. And boy, were they right. I actually found out, like, I'm good at a lot of things that I never knew. Wow. And so this church helped do that for me. And it does it for you. All of you have strengths yeah. and probably more than you realize. Right. And all of you have vision and promise and purpose right. Right. beyond what you could ever imagine. Well. And even then, that's not enough. See, when I first came into this house, I, I was immature. I was grasping everything that it had for me. But I wasn't in a place to really steward it well. And so I had all this vision for my life flooding in. And then I was discovering all these strengths and talents. And anytime I heard a word preached, I would think about what does this mean I should do when I go home? What are the, what are the five points to more spiritual living? What are the seven ways to understand the Bible better? And, and the reality is I did the things and never quite got breakthrough. It wasn't enough that I had vision and promise. It wasn't enough that I had strengths. What what attention is that that God would allow you to see glimpses of your future, to tell you how awesome you are and still let you be in frustration. I i not been there. I don't ever feel like, yeah. but God, I know where I'm going. I know what I'm good at. Why am I living in frustration? Yeah. Well, that was me. Because the reality was I was thinking that my strengths that God revealed would be the pathway to the vision that God revealed. Something's missing from that picture. God. Partnership with the one who writes it for you. See, see, we all like to look at our stories and assume that we are the hero of our story. At best, we're the damsel. God is the hero of your story. It's best not to be the villain. But truly, we are the co laborer if, if, you know, in the early days, you're the damsel, but it, you actually grow to be the sidekick. And the, be, the best thing I could ever hope for is the sidekick of God. Right, right. But he's the hero. Yeah. So if I'm trying to use my strengths to uncover my future, I'm making myself the hero. And I have lived frustrated because of that. So, yeah. so I actually had to rewind a little bit and figure out why am I frustrated despite everything God has given me. And it has to do with a little something called the anointing. Everyone say it, anointing. Anointing. Yeah, that's good. (laughs) I love it. Okay, Um, take a look at this. Is it Zechariah 4, 6? Perfect. God is saying, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit. The reality is we live in this tension where God gives us everything we think we would need to achieve promise, and yet it doesn't work. God, God loves tension. In the Old Testament, in one verse, he says, beat your swords into plowshares. In yep. another verse, he says, beat your plowshares into swords. And you're like, wait, is it wartime, harvest time, or I don't own either, so can I like use a butter knife? and <laughs> God loves tension. The reason he loves tension is so that way the only way to hold something in tension is with him. Our entire life is about identifying where is God on the thing. So when I spent my first couple years in church listening for what should I do to inherit the promise, what God was really saying was, where am I? And God's not saying, where am I? Like, peekaboo. You know, he's not trying to hide in the corner. Oh, I lost God. He's, God is really about asking, where am I? Can you find me in this thing? In any word that's preached, don't look for the steps for you to take. Look for the tools to help you find what God is up to in your current situation, okay? so So anointings come in I'll call it like three different flavors. There are moments of anointing. When the moment passes, the spirit has moved on to something else. There was a moment during worship. There was a moment over that prayer of laughter. Right. Yeah. As soon as that moment's over, the next person can't come up and try to do the exact same thing right. because, yeah. well, there's no oil on that. That's God, God, God was saying, no, 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 right now in this circumstance, but tomorrow it won't have the same effect. There are anointings for moments. The anointing to pray healing over someone is an anointing for a moment, but you can't try to force it, replicate it, create a religion out of it. Look, religions around the world, all the denominations are just churches that have been stuck in the last revelation, and they're trying to replicate it. That's it. That's all it is. I'm stuck in the last—I'm going to try to replicate the last move of God and not try to get fresh. That's all that happens. So there's anointings over moments. There's anointings over seasons. They're extended moments, but they're not your permanent state. Uh, Joseph had an anointing to be a slave. And then he had an anointing to be a prisoner. And then he had an anointing to be the right hand of Pharaoh. If he tried to skip steps, leave the anointing, he would have never got to Pharaoh. David had a season of anointing to kill Goliath, to be top of the world. He then had a season of anointing to be on the run in the wilderness, that was an anointed season. You know how many Psalms were written out of that season? You know how much character was developed in David? Right. And then he had an anointing to be king over Israel. Right. Some anointings last season. Sometimes you want to stay and God says, go. Wow. Sometimes you want to go and God says, stay. Yep. The question isn't, what should you do? It's, where is God? Right. So good. And if you don't know what you should be doing in this season, where did you last see God? God. Go back to that place. Go to the previous anointing to recapture it and go forward. And the third level of anointing is anointings over the callings of our lives. Anointings to minister, to be in the ministry. Anointings for the marketplace. Anointings to raise family. Like there are these lifetime. And the anointing means that God says, I'll put my power on that. What happens with the anointing is we come into an intersection of where God wants us to be. And he says, I will drop Anointing oil. I will drop oil on this. I will drop my spirit on this and I will supercharge this aspect of your life. Now, how many of you want some supernatural help over any aspect of your life? Then we need to learn to crave the anointing. The anointing is so critical. Do you know the first example in the Bible of the Holy Spirit anointing someone to do something? You know what it was? It was, a, it was a copper worker. It was a silver worker. It was someone who tinkered. Yeah. The first time the Holy Spirit fell upon someone and they did something on the anointing, they didn't speak in tongues. They didn't, you know, lay out people or heal people. They helped build the tabernacle. They were craftsmen. They were contract workers. So you don't know exactly how these things fall. There was anointing on Samson. Samson was messed up. Yet the anointing of God was on him to kill Philistines. Doesn't matter whether or not he earned it, doesn't matter whether or not he prepared for it. What mattered was that's what God was doing. And if you didn't know what God was doing, you may have missed that Samson was God's choice. If you didn't know what God was doing, you may have missed that Trump was God's choice. Because sometimes we get so concerned by what a thing should be in the natural and our strength that you actually miss what God is doing. And I would much rather be on God's side than any one person's side, because again, the person, is not the hero. What God is doing in a season carries the anointing. And so there are all these heroes of the faith that lived under anointing. And my absolute favorite one is Joshua. Now, we all know Joshua. Well, we all know Moses. I mean, Moses is one of the greats, right? He, He brought the commandments. He led the Israelites out of Egypt. He did all these great things, except take the promised land. Yeah, he led people out of bondage, but he didn't bring them into promise. God had someone else for that. And here's the thing. Moses had the pedigree. He was raised a prince. He was raised to rule. He then lived in freedom as a property owner and a shepherd outside of Egypt. This guy knew how to lead people and steward land. And yet that's not the person that God had them take him into promise. Instead, God picked a guy named Joshua. Joshua was one of two people born in Egypt to actually survive the desert. Everyone else had to die in the desert because they had slavery in their heart. So Joshua, born a slave, lived as a nomad. Somehow was put in charge of the entire camp of Israel as they go and take the promised land. No pedigree. That's on purpose. What God's trying to show you is he doesn't care much about pedigrees. He will use pedigrees, but he cares about anointings. And the way Joshua lived his life should give us an example of how to place ourselves in the anointing. And that's what we're going to dive into today. Today, Is that okay? So watch this. Watch this. Let's go to one of the first times we meet Joshua in Exodus thirty-three, eleven. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face, as a man speaks to his friend, and he would return to the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. Mm.
2: So
1: good. This was the moment that God picked Joshua. Yeah, yeah. While the rest of Israel was down making golden calves to worship, one man saw where the Spirit of God was and says, I'm just going to stick around yeah. a little longer see what happens. And what did he do? He lingered. Joshua established intimacy with God. That was what made him eligible to be put in charge. Now, here's the thing about lingering. We talked a little bit about it this morning. Sometimes we want to linger and just like cry out before God and be in this place of despair, but no, no, no. Lingering is about just being in someone's presence. He learned how to recognize God. Joshua learned when he lingered, he learned to recognize God. What did he, what would he need later in life that we'll unpack? He needed to know where God was in a situation. The reason God chose Joshua is because of his lingering, he showed that he knew how to locate God in a thing. And here's the thing, lingering, awkward. Ever have someone linger around you? You're like, hey, hey. You're like, no, nah, no, nah, hey, hey, how's it going? Yeah, hey, let's, let's keep, oh, okay, yeah, I'll just want, I'll follow you. Hi, hi. And they just kind of follow you, and it's lingering. And the reality is lingering is awkward. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's one thing to sit next to someone and say, what's up, Rich? How are you doing? <laughs> cool, see you later. Got nothing else to talk about. It's another thing to be like, the conversation's done, and I'm just sitting there, <laughs> like, awkwardly smiling at you. <laughs> A lot of times when we're in service or when we're at home and we're in this moment where we feel God show up, go, wow, this is cool. And then we go, okay, well, see you later. Mm -hmm. And we depart from the space. Where's your linger? Were you going to get something or were you going to get God? Were you going to learn to recognize God? So our ability to linger is the start of taking promises. Okay? Number two. Let's go to Joshua 1, 7 through 9. So that was when Joshua first came onto the scene where God really chose him because he knew Joshua was a man who could locate him. This is the moment where Moses is retiring. He's gonna stay behind in the desert and he's commissioning Joshua to take over a million and a half people. it's a big church, Pastor Matt. We can get there. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So we, we read this verse a lot, and we see, we see that be strong and courageous. And we know that Joshua is about to go take the promised land. So in our mind, we, we put together these two things and say, oh, God's telling Joshua, be strong and courageous. You're about to fight some giants. Yeah, right. that That's not what it says. What it says is be strong and courageous to do according to the law that you may prosper. What God is actually telling Joshua is, I don't have a problem fighting the enemy. I'll fight for you. What I need you to understand is that the word I placed in you will be challenged when you enter into the the promised land and you need to get the word inside. You need to be bold and courageous to keep inside of you what I've given you because I'm not worried about the enemy physically hurting you. I'm worried about them shaking you from what was your grounding in the first place. So point number two that Joshua had to do is he had to meditate. He had to meditate. He had to digest God's revelation. The word meditate means to chew on. He had to take the word of God that was in him, be exposed to the the world beyond him, which was filled with giants and enemies, and he had to somehow make sense of the two. How does the word inside of me match up with what I'm seeing externally, wow. I gotta chew on this. Right. It took meditation. And that's where we, we have to do is when we come to the place of lingering where we learn how to locate where God is, right. we then have to take what he gives us and then we're exposed to reality. Look, everyone's got a plan until they're punched in the face. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you have to be strong and courageous to keep the truths inside of you front and center when you're taking your promise. The issue is not you need the strength and courage to fight your battles. You need the strength and courage to keep what's here, here. And that's what Joshua had to do. Once he's found his intimacy with God, he knows how to locate God. And then he knows how to chew on what God's given him in the context of reality that he's facing. The next one I think is really fun. I'm going to tell two stories and then we'll recap this. So Joshua 6, 2 to 5. So now they've crossed the Jordan. Now they're starting to take territory. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I've given Jericho into your hand. It's king and the mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city. All you men of war, you shall go around the city once. This you shall do six days. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times and the priests shall blow their trumpets. It shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn. And when you hear the sound of the trumpet that all the people shall shout with a great shout, then the wall of the city will fall down flat and the people shall go up every man straight before him. Everyone loves the Jericho story, right? Has anyone ever actually marched around something seven times? (laughs) Admit it. Thank you, Pastor Loren, for marching around, Pastor Matt. That's what we needed. I assume he came crumbling down. (laughs) Okay, so side note, there are a lot of things that we read in the Old Testament that are symbolic, that we turn into prophetic. So sometimes we see that's how it was done. We're like, I'm going to do it that way. Now, sometimes it is actually true. God wants you to repeat us something prophetically. But again, the point is, you see, oh, well, they marched around something seven times. I need to march around something seven times. Guess what you're doing? You're looking at what you should do and not where the anointing is. So anytime you want to make a declarative prophetic act in your faith, ask God, are you in this or am I just trying to muster something religiously? It's a good check because again, the whole point is to overcome the frustration of not being able to take your promise. I don't want anyone frustrated because you're not in your promise. You all have promises. You all have strengths. The goal of today's word is to help you not be frustrated by it, yeah. that we can pick it up again and go. So this, oh, and another interesting thing about this verse, God told Joshua, take the men of war with you. They never drew a sword. Why did God tell them to take the men of war when all they were doing was singing and worshiping? Why not say take, the worship team. (laughs) And they're like, we're always going after hours. Do we really have to do this one too? (laughs) But why did God say, again, take the men of war? Because that was a sign to Joshua that, hey, I want to show you something. I want you to bring your strength with you and watch as I don't require it. It, But, 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 Bring your strength with you. Joshua still had to bring the men of war. He just, there was not anointing to use him in that moment. Okay, next story of taking Joshua 6, 2 through 5. I already said that one. Joshua 10, 8 through 13. Pretend I never said the previous line. (laughs) And the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear them, for I have delivered them into your hand. Not a man of them shall stand before you. Joshua therefore came upon them suddenly, having marched all night from Gilgal. So the Lord rooted them before Israel, killed them with a great slaughter at Gibeon, chased them along the road that goes to Beth Haran, and struck them down as far as Ezekah and Makedah. As it happened, as they fled before Israel and went on the descent of Beth Haran, that the Lord cast down large hailstones from heaven. Sometimes, I just wish you'd do that again. And they died. That's probably why he doesn't do it again. (laughs) There were more who died from the hailstones than the children of Israel killed with the sword. Then Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, sun, stand still over Gibeon and moon in the valley of Aijalon. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the people had revenge upon their enemies. Is this not written in the book of Joshua? So the sun stood still and did not hasten go down for about a whole day. So true story, cultures from around the world actually have a recorded day of the sun standing still, of an extended day. If you go in like Chinese history, this day is actually recorded. This isn't just like a metaphor. This happened. But look at this story. I I love the line that says, there were more who died from the hailstones than the children of Israel killed with a sword. And what I love about this is that Joshua saw what was happening. He saw that we were just whacking our swords, trying to kill all these Philistines and Amorites. And he sees God bringing hailstones and just killing like hordes of men at once. And he's like, all right. So what does he do? He says, well, let's keep the weather pattern exactly where it is. He declares to the sun. Think about the chutzpah you need to declare to the sun (laughs) to stand still. And he says, son, I want you to stand still because I see what God is doing and I want to co-labor in it the right way. He could have sent more soldiers, but instead he said, no, no, I want to extend what God is doing. Okay. The theme of this season of Joshua's life were the declarations. But the declarations that co-labored with God. He declared, see, he lingered to know how to find God. He meditated to understand how to deal with what God told him in the reality of a broken world right. so that when it came time to declare, so he knew what God was doing. And he declared in alignment. There's even that story where the angel comes before Joshua and Joshua says, so, you for us? Or are you for them? And he goes, "No, nope. <laughs> yep. I'm for the Lord. Wow. Yeah. And basically he's implying, who are you going to be for? Are you seeing what I'm doing? Joshua knew how to reposition his words towards what God was doing. Which brings us to the end of Joshua's life. He had taken the promised land. It was time for him to retire, for them to settle in the land of promise. And Joshua 24, 13 through 15 says, I have given you a land for which you did not labor and cities which you did not build and yet you dwell in them. You eat of the vineyards and olive groves, which you did not plant. Now, therefore, fear the Lord, servant in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites and in whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The final act of Joshua to keep his promise was to decide to live in line with the anointing. He knew what got him into the land of promise. So he decided to live in the direction of where the anointing was. He knew when it was time to fight, and he knew when it was time to step back. He knew when it was time to declare, and he knew when it was time to be still. What Joshua did to keep the anointing is he had to decide to align his life in the direction of where the anointing was. Here's where this gets tricky. When we look at our lives, I bet you if you reverse engineered the frustration in your life, it began from a decision. You decided, this is how I'm gonna live my life. You decided, this is what I'm gonna pursue. You decided, this is what I want to see. And it, it may be holy, it may sound holy, it might even be a word of God, but you began with your decision. And from that decision, you probably began to declare. You began to declare in alignment with your vision and the strength that you had. And because of those declarations, you might find yourself frustrated and brought to a place of meditation where now I have to chew on why did everything go wrong? Why is everything stuck? And when you find yourself frustration in the meditation, you'll be brought back to the place of lingering by the grace of God. So it's important to realize that no matter what God desires to bring you to the place of linger, the difference is I would rather do it from the beginning of the journey towards promise than the end of the journey of pain. Wow. You're gonna have to find your linger yeah. if you wanna find your promise. Come on. Yeah. God's grace is good enough. He's gonna bring you back to the linger. So, yeah. Yeah. So, okay. The question is, how is your linger? How was your linger today? How, when was the last time you found yourself finding God? Not talking about him not like studying about him, lingering with him awkwardly at first, but then intimately. You know, they've done studies. They take strangers and they have them stare into each other's eyes. And if you make them do it long enough, they actually feel like they have an endearing love towards that person. And they know nothing. They've never spoken a word. They don't know the person. But if you stare into someone's eyes long enough, you begin, your heart begins to attach to them. There's actually studies done to demonstrate this, to linger with God. That is what it takes. And it requires us to back off of our decisions, to choose to pursue the anointing. And everything I do in life, I have sought, where is God in this? And because of that, following a journey like Joshua's, I've gotten breakthrough in my life like I could never, ever have earned on my own. There's a potency in it, but there's an awkwardness. The question is, are you in a place today where you'd be willing to give lingering another shot? No matter which direction you're coming from, can you find your linger? So, good. Wow. so as we close out the service, there's a couple things I want to do. The first is, I don't want you to do blind, staring into eyes with God, right? You don't have to do the awkward. It helps to know who you're lingering with. You are lingering with the God of all, our savior who brings us out of brokenness into the promise of heaven, but also into the promises of this life. It's so much easier if you know him. So I want everyone to close your eyes right now. If you don't know the God with whom we linger, if you've never given yourself over to linger with him, if you've never told him, I want what you have for me, this is where it starts. So I want to ask right now, with everyone's eyes closed, if this morning you have never given yourself over to God or you've just been so far away that it feels unreal, this is your chance to tell God, I choose you again, or I choose you for the first time. So if that's you, I just want you to slip up your hand, just raise your hand in the air and just let God know, I'm choosing you this morning. I actually want to give my life over to you. So if that's you in this room saying, God, I, I haven't known you or I haven't known you well or I haven't known you recently and I wanna come back to that. Will you raise your hand and we can pray for you? Come on, come on. Because he'll linger around for you. as long as it takes. Come on, thank you. Guys, let's say this prayer together. Dear Jesus, I thank you that you died for my sin and you rose again to give me hope, to give me a future, to give me a life worth living. I give myself to you. I choose this day to follow you, to find you, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, come on. Hey, that's a cool prayer. That's a cool prayer. And there's one more prayer that I want to lift up over us. I'm going to pray over you. And then afterwards, we'll, we'll go into a song. We'll have some ministry time up front. But there are many of you in here who have lost your linger. And it's, you're going to get it back right now. It's that easy. If you want it back, you can have it back this morning. So if you feel like you've lost your linger or every time you go before God, you're on your knees, but you're not sure if he'll show up. I want you to stand up. I want you to be something bold and courageous. If you feel like you've lost your linger and you want it back, I want you to stand up across the room. Across the room. Yeah, look, if you stand, he will meet you. I challenge you. Have some chutzpah. That even came with phlegm. That's how you're supposed to say it. And even as I'm praying, if something sits on you, stand up anyways. You don't have to stand up now. You can stand up as this is going. But we're gonna pray right now that the linger of God, that you find him. My prayer right now is that you find him silently. You don't need to pray in tongues. You don't need to pray out loud. You don't need to warfare in your mind. I just want you to look for him. He's here. So, Father, right now, I release your spirit over this room. I thank you that your presence is here. And to all of us, that we may linger, that we may find you. And to those especially who have stood up to say, God, I miss you, or I need you, or I've never felt you, or I don't know how to find you, I declare right now that he is found. He is found. He is found. found. So throughout this room, I release the spirit that you would see that he is found in you. He is found in you. Father, restore the linger in each and every one of these people. God, thank you that your presence is here. That as we linger, we begin to meditate. That our declarations change and our decisions shift. That we will live in the land of promise. There is promise for you today. A promise is a current celebration of a future state. The promise is a current celebration of a future state. We celebrate now. We celebrate now. just like that word of joy earlier. God, thank you that you reach each and every one of these people. Fall on them. Fall on them. Yeah. Yeah, you can feel it. You can feel it. He's, his presence is his voice. Sometimes you want a word from God, but his presence itself is his voice. So, Father, fall in the room. Fall on these people that they would feel again that they have access to you. It does not matter how you come. It's how He comes. And He comes joyfully to meet you right
0: now, right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com